Between the job, the kids, the TV I need to binge watch, I've got a lot going on. But I just discovered my new favorite shortcut, Albertsons on Instacart. Everything I need delivered right to my door in as fast as one hour. Albertsons organic produce, fresh treats from the bakery. Oh, paper towels. Hang on, I gotta place another order. Download the Instacart app or visit instacart.com to get $10 off your first order using the code Albertsons10. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $35. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. As always, my name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los. Week 11 is in the books. Injuries, injuries, injuries. The bug has come back to bite us. Yeah, throwing some chaos into the mix right before the final push before the playoffs. We've got two more weeks left in the regular season. This is make or break time, folks. Absolutely, it's crazy. Chaos, like a big scruffy scraggly beard. What do you do with one of those? Uh, like a playoff beard? No, that's a lead-in. <laughs> sorry. I, oh, oh, I'm I'm sorry. We are we are not on the same page today. Clearly, um, because well, we're just not on the same page. <laughs> but, uh, yes. We'll we'll go right to the the Gillette close shave of the week, uh, and then we'll run through the Lord the week twelve matchups, uh, and then we'll talk about some waiver wire pickups that may just save your season with some of these injuries that have been happening. So this week, uh, the Miami Dolphins were held scoreless through three quarters of the game and trailed the L.A. Rams heading into the fourth. With just over two minutes left in the game, the Dolphins still trailed the Rams by three points. Ryan Tannehill led the offense down the field in a seven-play, 75-yard drive. And Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker contributed three catches during this drive for 30 yards and the game-winning touchdown grab leading the team and receiving en route to their fifth straight win in a row. Get your close shave like Devontae Parker with Gillette, the best a man can get. Our best blades for a few dollars a month. Fresh blades delivered to your door. No commitments. Yeah, I'm just going to stop trying to transition you into that close shave spot. I mean, you big, get a big scraggly beard, sort of like a Viking. Now there's a transition. Vikings at Detroit coming up this Thursday at noon on Thanksgiving. You want How'd you like that, Mung? Uh, well, the game's at uh, twelve thirty Eastern, eleven thirty Central, not at noon. So uh, I'll give you that. Regardless, that's how you do a transition. Uh, you you want to hear a trio of exciting rushing lines? I bet you do. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, sixteen carries for forty-four yards. Matt Aziata, five carries for twenty yards. Though he did have a touchdown. Congratulations. Uh, there's nothing to see here. Oh, forgot to write down the third one. Apparently. <laughs> Well, Ronnie Hillman wasn't exciting either. There was nothing to see here. Asiato, of course, if you're desperate, so he can fall into the end zone if needed. Um, there's a low floor for all three of these running backs, and they, there's really minimal point to have any of them except Matt Asiata. Uh, the wide receivers, of course, were limited by Arizona. They should have better days here in Detroit. Uh, Diggs is a wide receiver two range player for me. Thielen, I don't trust from week to week. There was a report uh, going into that game that he should expect a larger amount of work, but but he just doesn't he doesn't light my pants on fire. Uh, Kyle Rudolph was robbed of a touchdown by, I believe, was a holding call. So his day just amounted to two catches for 12 yards. Um, but he was, you know, very close to, to paying off for you for your uh, tight end dependent touchdown dependent tight ends. Yeah, you know, as I mentioned last week, Matt Asietta is still the Minnesota running back. I'd prefer uh, due to his goal line usage. He did plod into the end zone for a touchdown uh, that this past week. Um, and he could get another one against Detroit as uh, their defense certainly is not the greatest. 
Um, but reports did come out today that Minnesota actually waived Ronnie Hillman. So I actually like Jarek McKinnon. Um, he's been dropped in a bunch of leagues, but he may be back into flex territory. Of course, the offensive line hasn't been great and certainly doesn't set up either of these running backs for a ton of success. Uh, but with at least the touches split up now just between him and Asiata, I, I do think that he has value. Um, and I think he's out there in quite a few leagues. Um, this is a guy who, you know, he was dropped due to his ankle injury, but he's still very dynamic in space when he's healthy. Breaking news. You heard it here first. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Stefan Diggs wasn't targeted much against Arizona. Uh, that was due to the shadow coverage by Patrick Peterson, but expect him to be a, a high end wide receiver too in PPR again this week at Detroit. Um, and, and to your point, a uh, part of Adam Thielen's usage uh, this past week was due to Diggs just being blanketed by Peterson. Um, so uh, he's still an inconsistent play going forward, though he certainly has shown rapport with Sam Bradford. Um, and then Kyle Rudolph similarly similarly shut down by Arizona. But again, Detroit has struggled to cover the tight end position all season. Um, he's still in that low-end tight end one, maybe high-end tight end two range at this point. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Detroit side, terrible running back play was was the theme of their game versus uh, Jacksonville. De DeAndre Washington with uh, 12, 13 carries for just six yards, tacked on two catches for 15, theoretic four carries for 13 yards um, with eight catches for 70 yards. So he clearly kept his value in a PPR league. Um, Washington may again get the bulk, bulk of the carries like I was thinking, but may not be very effective again versus Minnesota. Um, especially since he couldn't capitalize on opportunities versus Jacksonville. Um, he Riddick is a PPR uh, running back too for me. Fairly solid there. He should maintain with the catches he has. The wide receivers really did not do much either this game. Three catches on four targets for 27 yards to Tate, one catch for 15 yards to Jones, and Bolden had the best day, six catches for 37 yards. It was really a punt return touchdown and interception touchdown that sealed the game. The offense did not look good. Detroit's offense should have been much better versus Jacksonville. And for that reason, I mean, it's recency bias, but I have definite concerns this week versus Minnesota. Yeah, and especially in a divisional uh, matchup with, with both teams tied for first in the NFC North, I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, for me, Matthew Stafford, just a QB2 this week. The Minnesota defense is the healthiest that they've been in weeks, and I expect this to be a pretty low-scoring battle, especially uh, playing on a short week for both teams. Um, Theo Riddick, he's a, just a low-end RB2 or a flex play for me right now. Um, this Detroit offense seems to be struggling a little bit. And then Golden Tate is the only wide receiver I'd really feel comfortable playing, and even he is just a wide receiver for or a flex option here. Um, again, I really do think that this Thanksgiving game is going to be kind of a defensive showdown for both of these teams. Uh, that said, Eric Ebron is still a low-end tight end one, even in this game. Uh, he's just seeing such consistent targets from Matthew Stafford, and they've really been playing well together. Um, I'll take yeah. Minnesota here on the road. Uh, I, I, too, will take the Vikings on the road. Hope you sold high on Marvin Jones when you had a chance. Uh, moving into the NFC East showdown, of course, the 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 Lions in Dallas always play every every uh, Thanksgiving. Here is Washington at Dallas at 3:30 Central Time, 4:30 Eastern. Uh, on the Washington side of the football, you've got to pay this man, uh, Kirk Cousins. Pay this man or don't. Like I asked for three years ago, I think you recall the conversation we had on. On our on our futon back back in the day, let Chicago scoop up Kirk Cousins. You know I love him. 375 yards, three touchdowns, no interception this game. Connected deep very well with Crowder and Garcon. 
money, fire, flames. This guy's doing well. Uh, R. Kelly added 24 carries for 137 yards and three touchdowns. I hope the skepticism is over. He's a running back, too. Matt Jones is an afterthought, I I think, all but completely. Um, To me, there's definite value to each wide receiver option. It's just figuring out where and when. And uh, Crowder is still paying off. Um, He he has for most weeks this year, and it's it's still working. With the recession of other wide receivers, wide receiver threes around the league that we could use earlier on, um, like Quincy Inunua, uh, Benjamin, the other or the other injured guys in San Diego, Sneed, etc. Garcon may be a guy to play for the right now. I mean, you, you're looking to win now, and Garcon's been hot fire um, as of late. Six catches for 116 yards and a touchdown this game. Crowder, of course, had only three catches, but had the bomb, 102 yards and touchdown. Uh, DJX, four catches for 51 and a touchdown. He's still the least consistent, in my opinion. Um, retacking on another 80 yards this game, always a solid option. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, how do you like him now? Uh, you know, while he basically just lit up Green Bay's secondary, uh, non-existent secondary, and while Dallas's run defense is pretty solid, their secondary can definitely be beat. Cousins start him up again as a low-end QB1 this week. Uh, and then to your point, Fat Rob Kelly came through three touchdowns. Uh, I was definitely wrong. I thought that he was going to struggle a little bit against this tough Green Bay run defense, especially with Clay Matthews back, but they just completely shredded the Packers, which I was very happy to see, uh, as I'm sure you were as well. Um, Without question. So continue to keep firing up Rob Kelly as a RB2. Um, And then Jameson Crowder, he's still uh, my preferred option of these wide receivers. He seems to be the most consistent. Um, He is actually wide receiver 19 on the season in PPR leagues. So if he's somehow still out there in your leagues, he needs to be owned. Um, But again, uh, same with Pierre Garçon, uh, along with what you were saying. um, He has been seeing quite a few targets lately. Uh, I think that he and Deshaun Jackson are also flex options in this game, but uh, I agree that I would prefer Pierre Garcon in a PPR over Deshaun Jackson. Uh, and of course, you're starting Jordan Reed. I don't need to really talk too much about him. Uh, the one other guy really uh, is Vernon Davis. He put up a big fat zero this past week. Uh, but prior to that, he was rel- relatively consistent in seeing both targets uh, and red zone targets uh, from Kirk Cousins. So he may be a desperation tight end two option uh, if you need somebody this Thursday. Could be, it could could be tough to squeeze him into a lineup though with no teams on a bye. All 32 starting tight ends are in play. Sure, maybe more of a, uh, a DFS GPP type of play. Sure, sure, a little counter coup, counter coup action uh, in Dallas uh, on the Dallas side of the football for the boys. Dak got a got a slow start versus Baltimore. He picked it up with a nice day: 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's a quarterback one again for me this week versus Washington. The weapons are clicking. Des Bryant, six catches, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Good call as a wide receiver one. Keep him as a wide receiver one. Just be aware that Josh Moore, uh, Josh Norman is still on the Redskins. He does not scare me against Des Bryant, though. Um, Cole Beasley, five catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. For me, he's still a very underrated, strong flex play. Uh, Witten's still playing the re- release valve role, five catches on seven targets for 37 yards, a cool eight points. And I think, you know, he, he's a good floor level tight end, uh, you know, six points. You, you, you're not going to get less than that from him. I don't think any given week. Ezekiel Elliott was held out with a with held without a touchdown gasp. Not good. Under 100 yards. I'm very worried about him. Uh, this This is unheard of for him recently. 
Just kidding, of course. You know, he, he you're not worried about Ezekiel Elliott. He he still maintains his value almost 100 yards, 30 30 yards through the air. Still a very very good day. Running back one. This guy. This guy. I can't say anything better about him. Yeah, and uh, you know, D- Dak Prescott is a top five or six uh, fantasy quarterback right now for the season. So you, you're certainly not worried about starting him. He's in your lineup uh, until he actually fails you. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, to your point, uh, he's a top five running back. You're you're starting him. You're putting him in there and forgetting about it. Um, in terms of Des Bryant, I, I will say that Josh Norman, I, I think he's a little bit overrated. He's a very good cornerback, but he relies also on the front seven to kind of uh, you know rush the passer so that he doesn't have to hold out for that long. Um, but I will downgrade Des Bryant a tiny bit, uh, and by that I mean he's a low end wide receiver one for me. Um, not a, not a mid-end or high-tier wide receiver one as he has been. Um, and then, again, Cole Beasley, he's been a solid flex play. Uh, you're going to keep firing him up in PPR leagues. And, yeah, J- Jason Witten, not going to have a huge ceiling every week, not like that game against Cleveland. Uh, I don't know that we'll see that kind of production again from him this season, but he's always a reliable high-end tight end two, low-end tight end one. Um, he had a target in the end zone that he just miscommunicated with Dak Prescott on, or else that would have been a touchdown right there. Um, should be a great divisional showdown with both teams playing really well right now. But that said, I just don't know how you can bet against Dak Prescott and that offensive line right now, especially at home on Thanksgiving. How about them boys? Yeah, uh, go Dallas, I guess. Big D. All right, next game here is going to be Pittsburgh at Indy for Thursday night football on Thanksgiving. And while you're enjoying your turkey and stuffing, you can enjoy watching Big Ben get back on track after an extremely weak showing versus Cleveland. Uh, Just bad all over. 167 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, so he had that going for him. He didn't really need to do much, though, with Bell tearing it up completely. He's a quarterback one versus Indianapolis' secondary, which is still not very good. Um, Bell had 28 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown, tacked on eight catches, 55 yards. He's a running back one. There's nothing else to say. Brown is a wide receiver one, um, only eight catches for 76 yards this game. I'm expecting a touchdown versus Indianapolis. Um, Nobody else helped this game but i certainly would give eli rogers a look versus indianapolis in the flex or in the in the or or in the wide receiver three spot if you are needing um of something like that if you need a, a high high risk high reward sort of guy yeah and for big ben uh you know it's been pretty well documented that he's got some clear home and road splits he struggles much more in away games Uh, However, I do think that his lack of production in that Cleveland game this past week was due to the wins in that game. Um, You could see that ball moving around a bit, and I don't don't mind starting him at all uh, Thursday night in Indy, in a dome. Um, He's a solid low-end QB one for me against a very mistake-prone Colts defense. Uh, We saw them almost allow Tennessee back into the game that they should have won easily, given the lead that they had. Um, Le'Veon Bell, I don't need to talk about. Antonio Brown, I don't need to talk about. You're starting both of those guys. Um, the one other thing is, in terms of the receivers, I would go with Eli Rogers right now if you're super desperate. Again, the Colts give up some big plays in that secondary, and Sammy Coates is still dealing with those broken fingers right now. Um, I don't expect him to produce a ton until he gets healthier. And then the one last thing is continue monitoring Ladarius Green's snaps and targets. Uh, right now, he seems to be just a role player, definitely splitting that tight end position uh, with 
Jesse James, but again, he's a physical specimen. If he does start getting starter snaps and taking over, um, you know, kind of the lead role in that offense um, behind Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, then he could be a guy to help you down the stretch. And you could end up very thankful for him. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. Um, for, for Indianapolis, um, luck made enough happen early with 262 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He's going through concussion protocol now, unlikely to play Thursday. That's in three days. Uh, it typically takes at the very least a week to work your way through that, more like 10 days. Um, Gore was a high-end RB2 and what Gore is a high-end RB2 and what should should have been a high-scoring game. Um, the Pittsburgh defense still doesn't scare me, even without Andrew Luck. I think Gore will still have a solid showing. Um, I did not, however, like seeing him come out at the goal line for a few plays, uh, but I think that was mostly to just give him a, a breath of fresh air. He worked very hard on that drive, had a very long catch and run, um, 50, 53 yard, I believe, catch and run. And then they pulled him out, put Turbin in to, to vulture the touchdown for him. Two carries, four yards, and that touchdown. T.Y. Hilton, five catches on nine targets, 97 yards and a touchdown. Moncrief, four catches, 37 yards and a touchdown. Um, both would have been wide receiver twos for me if Andrew Luck were playing this game. However, if he does not, and we see somebody like Scott Tolgin or some other uh, Green Bay reject, uh, I, I can't make them much more than wide receiver threes. Uh, both Allen and Doyle played. They combined for one catch for a seven yards. So take that and make it what you will. I'm sure, I'm sure you're smart enough to analyze that on your own. Yeah. So we found out today, Andrew Luck is going through the concussion protocol and it is difficult to progress through the tests in four days. Uh, but I will say it's not impossible. We did see Devonte Adams of the Packers return for a Thursday night game um, this year. So it's certainly not impossible, but reports right now are saying that the Colts are expecting Scott Tolzien to start Thursday night. Um, so I guess this year I might actually have to talk to my family this Thanksgiving instead of watching football. Uh, but, you know, honestly, with Scott Tolzien, you're downgrading the entire offense. Uh, last week, to your point, Frank Gore got bolstered by Robert Turbin, or else he would have had a bigger day. Um, but he's still a flex play for me uh, against Pittsburgh. One, I think the Colts are going to try to run the ball a little bit more to, you know, reduce uh, the, their exposure to Scott Tolzien, I guess. And then Hilton and Moncrief are both still flex plays and wide receiver threes if 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 Luck doesn't play. Um, I, I do think that Tolzien is at least competent enough to at least get them the ball in what should be a relatively high-scoring matchup. I, I think regardless of what happens here um, with, the, with the Colts quarterback situation, Pittsburgh is going to put up points, and there's going to be plenty of catching up to do. Sure, I could see that coming. Um, give me Pittsburgh whether or not Andrew Luck plays. Yeah, you know, I actually, in my notes, I originally had Indianapolis. Uh, I do think being at home on Thanksgiving was was part of that narrative for them to really kind of come alive here. Uh, but obviously with the, with the reports that Scott Tolzien is likely starting, I will also take Pittsburgh. All right. Um, on to a much less exciting game. Uh, Jared Goff was not great in his first start. He wasn't asked to do much, though. Um, they're not going to like asking him to do more, but they're going to have to ask him to do a lot more versus a much better New Orleans offense. Uh, Gurley is a high-end running back, too, for me here. He had 20 carries here, finally 76 yards and a touchdown for his third 10-plus point week this year. Woohoo! he's back on track. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, if I wasn't touching pass catchers before Jared Goff came to play, what do you think I'm doing now? 
Yeah, and, um, you know, it's kind of like what we saw in Dak Prescott's uh, first start week one this year. Um, You know, Dallas really limited his uh, play calling ability to throw down the field. They they really wanted him to take those safe little dump off passes. And that's really kind of what L.A. did here with Jared Goff. Um, uh, Part of the part of the issue was that it was raining heavily in that game. So you could certainly understand why Jeff Fisher might want to do that. Um, or it might just be Jeff Fisher being Jeff Fisher. Who knows? Um, that said, <laughs> New Orleans defense has actually been playing much better the last couple of weeks. They're getting a little healthier on that side. Got Delvin Bro back. And Cameron Hayward's really been coming on. Or I'm sorry, Cameron Jordan has really been coming on. Um, so for me, Todd Gurley's still just a mid-tier RB2 for me here. Uh, you know, you're basically hoping for a touchdown, uh, which should come against New Orleans, but... Again, it's never a guarantee, especially when they're on the road facing them in the Superdome. Um, the only guy to really consider here is Kenny Britt as a desperation flex player, wide receiver four. Uh, he did still lead the team in targets despite the change in quarterback. For me, Jared Goff just doesn't look very comfortable, and his offensive line isn't the greatest, and playing New York, playing Drew Brees and the Saints in the Superdome is not going to be a helpful second game in terms of a steep learning curve um on the on the Saints side though you're you're certainly liking everybody right oh without a question um even though Drew Brees did not have a good day until the fourth quarter he had two of his own turnovers he'll be right back on track at home in the Superdome as you said as the in the Silverdome as Hulk Hogan likes to call it he's a quarterback one without question uh, Mark Ingram's in the concussion protocol uh, this is where having Tim Hightower on your team comes in handy he's a high-end running back two versus LA if if there is no Ingram uh, Cooks this last game, seven catches on eight on eight targets for 42 yards. Thomas, five of five for 68. Sneed, four of five for 33. I like all three at home. Um, probably this week in the order, Thomas, Cooks, Sneed, uh, with both Thomas and Cooks being wide receiver twos. Sneed settling into a flex role. Fleener got a TD on uh, three three attempts, five ca- uh, three catches, five five targets, 17 yards. He's, he's as good as any touchdown dependent tight end if you like him. Roll with him. If you don't, don't. I can't really endorse him much more than that. Yeah, um, you know, you're firing up Drew Brees as a QB1. Uh, and then in, in terms of the, the concussion protocol, New Orleans did play last Thursday night, so they do have those extra two, three days. Um, so it's very possible that we may still see Mark Ingram in this game. Um, he certainly can progress through that protocol and go through those tests. Uh, we will certainly need to monitor his practice status throughout the week, though. Um, if he plays, Ingram would be a mid-level RB2. And if not, uh, if Hightower takes the bulk of those carries and those touches against this Rams team, he would be a high-end RB2. So um, in terms of the running backs here, I, I think that's the situation that you're kind of hoping for if you're an Ingram owner is to have him at least have a limited practice, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday. Um, and then, you know, on the wide receivers, uh, we've seen Michael Thomas kind of come back down to earth the last couple of weeks. Um, however, I'm going to stick by it. I, I think I still prefer him uh, barely over Brandon Cooks, but they're both wide receiver twos. So you certainly feel good about starting them. And then Sneed's a flex play. Uh, he hasn't been garnering quite as many targets as the other two guys the last few weeks. Uh, but as we saw a couple weeks ago, he's always a threat to score touchdowns, um, and he could have one or t- or more touchdowns in this game. Um, Kobe Fleener at this point, man, it, I had such high expectations for him, but he's he's a dart throw tight end too. 
you're basically hoping for a touchdown to return value uh, for the Saints there. So I will take New Orleans at home. Who that think they're going to beat them Saints? Certainly not Jeff Fisher. <laughs> yeah. All right. Want to roll on into Chicago, the Windy City? Uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk about Chicago. All right. Well, Tennessee, it is Tennessee at Chicago. Tennessee surged late, but not enough to overtake that aforementioned hot start of Indianapolis. Mariota looked good again, 290 yards, two touchdowns. He's looking legit, and he's probably fine to fire up versus Chicago. I, I, I certainly would think about it. Murray's a rock-solid running back one. Another 21-carry day for 70 yards, three catches on nine targets for – I'm sorry, three three catches for nine yards with a touchdown. Richard Matthews is pulling away as the go-to wide receiver on this team. Uh, he's a wide receiver for me now. Uh, nine catches on 13 targets, 122 yards. Tajay Sharp also did get a touchdown on four, tar- four catches for 68 yards it was a poor day for Delaney Walker maybe because uh, Tejay Shop did have a bit of a better day Walker only had 36 yards on four carries he's still a mid-range tight end one for me I like him more than you know Kobe Flynn or anything like that yeah I honestly don't have a whole lot to add on on what you said about the Titans you're starting Mariota uh, you're starting DeMarco Murray um, Rashard Matthews you can trust at this point as a High-end wide receiver three. Uh, he's certainly got the production. And Delaney Walker, uh, again, still a, a low-end tight end one. Uh, there's certainly not that many better options out there. Um, he's just below that elite tier of uh, you know Gronk and Graham and Eifert and those guys. And yeah, uh, Chicago's just devastated by injuries right now. Um, Leonard Floyd going through the concussion protocol. We're not sure if we're going to see him. Uh, and then similarly, Jarrell Freeman got suspended today for PEDs. He'll be out four games. Um, so that's their, you know, play calling middle linebacker uh, basically out. And this defense is going to be in shambles. Start everybody on Tennessee. I'm going to handle this as stoically as I possibly can to maintain my maturity and composure. Jordan Howard, 17 carries, 77 yards with one of eight. Yes, eight targets. For 22 yards, converted one catch with with Smoke and Jay. Langford did not make much of a dent. Six carries, eight yards with three catches for 30. And no carry to be seen anywhere on the field. Zach Miller is now out for the season with a foot injury. And that concludes my coverage of this team. I just can't, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, it, it's been a, a rough season as Bears fans. I can tell you guys that. But uh, reports came out today that Jay Cutler suffered a shoulder injury that is potentially season-ending. Um, if that's true, uh, it's very possible that we've seen the last snap that Jay Cutler has played in Chicago, which was, of course, an interception to Landon Collins. Um, really, the only fantasy-relevant Bears player at this point is Jordan Howard. Uh, I expect they're going to try and lean on the run more heavily uh, if Matt Barkley is the starting quarterback. Um I think this whole offense gets downgraded, much like when when we were talking about the Colts. If Andrew Luck is out, um, I, I, I guess uh, you know, despite Jay Cutler being terrible, uh, Matt Barkley is still a downgrade. I think uh, Jordan Howard is going to be a flex play simply based on his talent and, and the volume of touches that he's going to get. But I'm expecting this offense to struggle. Uh, Meredith and Royal, they're both desperation wide receiver fours or wide receiver fives. Um, I guess the one storyline that that you would kind of give optimism to this offense is that uh, Matt Barkley likely got some practice time with Cameron Meredith when he wasn't a starter, so maybe they have some sort of chemistry. 
Uh, and then the one name to monitor in very deep leagues or, or maybe dynasty leagues is Ben Broniker. Um, he's an undrafted tight end out of Harvard, but he's a decent blocker and pass, pass catcher. He can do it all. Uh, so we'll see how the tight end snaps get divvied up between him and Logan Paulson. But I, I am expecting Ben Broniker to be the, the quote-unquote starting tight end in Chicago. Um, as we said, that that's really all we have to say about Chicago. It's It's been a sad, sad situation. Uh, give me the Titans. Yeah, Tennessee. Is is this what we get for, for letting your Cubs break the curse? Is that is that the way this goes now? Yeah, apparently so. Uh, the other Chicago well, sports must suffer. Uh, yeah, I, I did, but uh, you know, it, now now we're all looking looking to the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, they're the last Chicago team now to have won a, a title. Um, so it's on them. It's there. It's on their shoulders. I have a Soldier Field picture on one wall, a U.S. cellular or a Comiskey on the other wall. You you can only imagine wh- where I am in life right now. <laughs> um well I'll, I'll i'll give you a call every every few days los just to make sure you're uh you're still here with us thank you i uh, thank you um, all right let's let's quickly move <laughs> yeah on. Get, yeah get, our, our producer just reminded me as if i ever forgot that the white Sox now play at guaranteed rate field which their logo is a gigantic down pointing red arrow just can't wait <laughs> okay uh well, let's move on to arizona and atlanta here um, hey, at least, uh, you know, misery loves company. And as bad as the Bears have been, uh, Arizona should be better, but they haven't been. I knew they were bad, but I guess I just didn't get quite how bad. Palmer, is, he's not even ownable at this point. Larry and DJ are the only guys to look to. A low-end wide receiver one, uh, top five running back, of course. Uh, here's the other numbers for the day. Get ready. Get ready. It's almost as exciting as that Minnesota buildup. Michael Floyd, two catches. 21 yards. John Brown, zero catches, zero yards. JJ Nelson, one catch, five yards. I, I can't start him. Uh, they, there should be an uptick here versus Atlanta, but I just cannot endorse starting any of these guys. What about you? Yeah, um, Carson Palmer right now is a low-end QB2, maybe a streaming option, as I do like the matchup, but if he couldn't even you know, produce at home against San Francisco a couple weeks ago, do you really like him that much better at Atlanta on the road? Um, I guess the one silver lining for uh, all, all the Carson Palmer-affected people out there is you're playing David Johnson because he got 11 targets in this game. Uh, Palmer is just chucking it down to him, uh, helping him a ton in PPR. And of course, Larry Fitzgerald is a is a safe low end wide receiver one, despite the dumpster fire that this Cardinals team has become. Um, Michael Floyd, of course, uh, you know as, as he's known for, follow, follows up a good week with a bad one. He gets benched for giving up on our deep route, which leads to a Carson Palmer interception. Um, you know, Desmond Trufant should play this week. He and Tevin Coleman both practice today, uh, but he rarely shadows to the slot, so I think Larry Fitzgerald is fine. I would guess that Michael Floyd or John Brown sees a lot of Desmond Trufant on the outside. For me, I think John Brown might be the play here of those three guys. Of course, uh, this is complete guesswork. Um, at this point, this whole offense is is pretty shoddy, so uh, you'll take what you can get. He's a he's a desperation wide receiver for uh, plug him into the flex play if you really need a wide receiver to start. Um, I'm ignoring the Jermaine Gresham touchdown. It was uh, definitely an anomaly as. Arizona rarely, if ever, targets the tight end in the passing game. 
that was really more of a result of Minnesota just shutting down Palmer's other options. Um, pretty sad state of affairs. Let's let's move on to the, uh, a more optimistic look at the Atlanta Falcons offense. Yeah, to your point, John Brown was actively benched uh, the least recently of those three, so he does have that going for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's if that's the narrative that you want to go with. Yeah. All right. Atlanta has had over a week to prepare. Their offense is solid gold. This will be another event to behold. Coleman practices that uh, practice today. Uh, monitor his progress. He might be back for this game. Now, Jacob Tammy's out for the season, uh, but the tight end spot has not gotten enough work for me to merit a uh, an Austin Hooper start, especially in a week where there's no other buy tight ends. Um, and I think I think next week is the final week of buys. Maybe there's one more after it. I, I don't think Hooper's really going to make a dig um, into this season. Sanu may pick up some slack here with the with the defense. Um, and uh, Patrick Peterson focused on Julio Jones, but I'm really not worried about him either. Yeah, this this Atlanta offense is well-rested. Um, they get to play at home against Arizona, and Arizona's defense, while they've been playing relatively well, this is a defense that allowed Colin Kaepernick and the San Francisco 49ers to almost beat them. Um, so you're certainly not scared for any of the Falcons' options, even if Tyron Matthew is back for this game. Um, also, Dan Quinn saw plenty of the Cardinals while he was a coach in Seattle, so I'm sure he's very familiar with this team. Uh, Matt Ryan is a rock-solid QB1 for me. Devontae Freeman should be a high-end RB2, even if uh, Tevin Coleman returns, which he is expected to, I believe. And Tevin Coleman would be a flex play if he plays. Uh, he, you can certainly um, beat uh, Arizona uh, over the middle of the field instead of targeting Patrick Peterson and deep against Tyron Matthew. So I, I think you're going to expect those yards after the catch for a guy like Tevin Coleman. Of course, uh, you're not going to bench Julio, um, even though Patrick Peterson shut down Stefan Diggs last week. Uh, while Diggs is fast and a great route runner, he's just not even on the same level as Julio in terms of that raw talent. Um, however, I do think that we're going to see a little bit more Mohamed Sanu in this game as a result of Peterson covering Julio. So I, I would feel okay trotting him out there this week as a decent upside flex play. Um, we've seen in the past that when Julio Jones ha has struggled through injuries or you know seen shadow coverage from elite cornerbacks that uh, Matt Ryan does target Sanu a lot more. Um, on that same wavelength, we'll see if Austin Hooper gets a little bit more involved in the passing game after the bye week. Um, we found out that Jacob Tammy is now on IR following shoulder surgery, so any hope of him coming back this season is now gone. Uh, we'll see what the tight end snaps uh, get split out like between Austin Hooper and Levine Toilolo. So if that uh, snap percentage starts to shift in Hooper's favor, he could become a solid fantasy tight end play uh, You know, for the stretch run. Yeah, I don't know. Mark, mark, mark the flag or the star or whatever your your uh, your watch list looks like. But I, he just doesn't excite me. They they have not utilized the tight end near enough in this offense. Yeah, I don't I don't think they have either. But again, uh, you know they've had time to kind of think about their new personnel uh, during that bye week. So we'll see. Again, uh, like I like you said, not uh, someone that you have to pick up right now, but definitely somebody that I'm keeping on my watch list. Mm -hmm. uh, give me the home flavor of Redbird. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Give me the Falcons as well. Um, next game here is going to be the New York Giants at Cleveland Browns. The New York Giants walloping on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Rashad Jennings got his roll back in Chicago. Twenty-one carries, 
85 yards and a touchdown, five catches for 44 yards. Who saw that coming back for old man Rashad? Uh, I'd roll him out there versus Cleveland. Why not? Uh, he, he's high-end running, running back, too, for me. I would have liked to see a bigger day for OBJ, but he's a wide receiver one regardless every week with his immense potential. Just five catches for 46 carries, uh, 46 yards here on seven attempts. Sterling Shepard, five catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. He's always in the wide receiver three crosshairs, never, that, never more so than now here versus Cleveland. Yeah, and really the one guy you didn't mention was Eli Manning, and uh, he's yeah. actually been performing pretty well. He's averaged 19 points per game since the Giants' bye week, and now he gets Cleveland. I'm going to fire him up as a high-end QB2 or maybe even as a low-end QB1 this week. Um, of course, you're always a little scared uh, that you might get bad Eli, but I just don't see it happening at Cleveland this week. Um, and you know, to your point, uh, same with Rashad Jennings. It seems like he will be the guy for now. Um, but he's still just a mid to low end RB two for me. I, I just I don't trust that Giants offense. They keep rotating in Paul Perkins. Um, I, I think he gets a touchdown here, but uh, you know you're basically banking for that. And for me, that's not enough to put him in that high end RB two category. Uh, of course, you're starting Odell Beckham. Uh, certainly, Joe Hayden covering him doesn't scare you. And then, yeah, uh, you mentioned Sterling Shepard. He and Eli Manning seem to have solidified their rapport after the bye week, and he's been the target on many high-leverage situations uh, for those Giants' fourth-down conversions. Um, he and Eli have been on the same page, and Shepard's a decent flex play here. Uh, and then finally, the Giants are still using a tight end by committee, but Will Ty is leading that committee in snaps, and he's been averaging 6.7 targets per game the last three games. Worth monitoring as an upside tight end too. Again, I keep mentioning all these potential upside tight end two guys because there is so little uh, at tight end this year past you know your stud elite tight ends. Sure, a lot of a lot of tight end available. All right, and let's talk about Cleveland then. <laughs> I thought you had more to say. I'm sorry. No, um, no I think we've covered all I, we can I, about. I the was Giants. also dumbfounded by this uh, by this snag by DeAndre Hopkins. As you all know, we always watch Monday Night Football while we're recording the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. Yeah. All right. Uh, apparently, you might not be. Uh, Cleveland looked awful versus Pittsburgh, and they are not getting better anytime soon. Uh, Terrell Pryor has faded to a wide receiver two for me with very unsure quarterback play five catches on 10 targets for 97 yards. So the, the numbers were there, but uh, Cody Kessler has gone done for at least this portion of the season in the concussion protocol, a lot of concussions this week. Um, Josh McCown looked God awful this last week. Uh, the run game amassed uh, uh, an amazing 20 yards before between the running backs on 10 attempts, adding three catches for 36 yards for Duke, five catches for 13 yards for Crow. Not exciting. They are desperation only flexes. And truly, I'd start any one of these wide receivers that we've already mentioned ahead of them in a flex. They are riding my pines. Uh, Gary Barnage came up with a touchdown on one of his two catches. There's just not enough points on this offense for me to roll the dice on using him as my tight end whatsoever. Of note, Corey Coleman, uh, unimpressive showing for his point total, but he did have 12 targets converting uh, only four of them to 39 yards. Um, they're going at him, but can they connect? I think he's a stash for now. I, I can't I can't say to trot him out there or play him, but I think he's definitely worth a roster spot. Yeah, Josh McCown hasn't looked good at quarterback, but it's really hard to build a rhythm as a quarterback when, one, you play once every two or three weeks or come in in the middle of a game, or, 
And two, when you play behind an offensive line that's as awful as Cleveland's is. Um, and, and you mentioned that Terrell Pryor has faded to a wide receiver two for you. I don't know that he was ever a wide receiver one for me. Um, I think he's still a low-end wide receiver two kind of guy in PPR. He's just so consistently targeted, and, and regardless of who, who the quarterback is, he's just such a talented guy that he's going to be able to catch some of those. Um, the upside is always there at, to your point with 12 targets for Corey Coleman. Um, but same same as you, I, I think that he's a stash. Uh, you, you just can't feel comfortable starting him. Uh, four catches for 39 yards, catching you know fewer than 50% of his targets, certainly not a good sign right now. I will disagree on Gary Barnes, though. I, th- I think McCown in at quarterback helps him, uh, makes him a solid high-end uh, tight end two play. Uh, Josh McCown has always favored targeting Barnage a lot. And we saw with Zach Miller last week that you can attack New York's defense with tight ends. Um, similarly, before that, Tyler Eifer and Zach Ertz both also had nice weeks against the Giants uh, in the last few games. All right, well, we'll agree to disagree. All right, um, yeah, give me the Giants. Yeah, give me Cleveland, or uh, the Giants. <laughs> Whoa, okay, I thought you were about to have a hot take there. No, 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 hot take city, population George Lowe's. No, not this week. All right, uh, let's move on then to San Diego at Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be afraid of Philip Rivers after last week's fourth quarter meltdown. He will recover, and he is perennially undervalued. That's that's just sort of the, the plague of his existence. This should be a solid week for Melvin Gordon, Williams, Gates, and Henry, even in deep 14 to 16 team leagues, in my opinion. Yeah, um, Philip Rivers, solid low-end QB1. I think uh, you know Melvin Gordon should be locked in your lineups at this point, especially against Houston. Uh, he'll be a top-five running back. Their run defense is where you attack them, uh, and Gordon has just played lights out this year. Um, Tyrell Williams, he's a low-end QB, or excuse me, wide receiver too in this matchup. And then you know I like Dontre Lemon, but he's not consistent enough. He's still just a kind of desperation flex play for me. And of course, Antonio Gates, uh, you know, the old man's still producing. And as long as he does, he's a low end tight end one for your fantasy team. So uh, Travis Benjamin, he's the he's the one note here. Uh, Still not sure if he's healthy enough to play recovering from that PCL strain. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I, I think that Williams and Gates are the only pass catchers that you can really rely on for San Diego. Yeah. For the Houston Osweilers, uh, I really need to see what Will Fuller can do this week. It's make or break time for him. Uh, for me, uh, it's, it's decision time. Um, weak San Diego coverage uh, team focuses on Hopkins. Will Fuller should be wide open, ready to catch some, some deep bombs from Brock Osweiler. We'll see if they can connect. Uh, the tight end position has changed vastly the past three weeks and CJ Fiorda, it's, it's no longer locked in tight end one for me. Um, they they've got a tight end by committee approach going now and uh that's where it's that's where they're at it's really a darn shame that this team is so limited by its quarterback play uh they should trade for jay cutler i don't care if he's hurt or not Ooh, you know i don't uh, i don't wish that upon any fan base but uh, <laughs> uh yeah I, I just don't know how you can trust brock Eiswaller right now outside of two quarterback leagues um but Lar- lamar miller looks pretty good he, lo- he looks like he's got that burst back um even though houston has kind of utilized their other running backs a little bit more now in the rotation I-, I think it's actually helped lamar miller's efficiency he's never been uh that workhorse guy as as we saw in uh, miami so I-, I think that this may actually help him uh we'll see but he's an rb2 for now um and then deandre hopkins i just don't know how you can have him as better than a wide receiver three or a flex play that just just not enough targets going to him and he's not creating enough separation to get open enough for 
Brock Osweiler's wobbly passes to get there in time. Um, and we mentioned this before, but you know, as you said, CJ Fedorowicz back to just an upside tight end to play. Houston has gone back to that tight end by committee approach with Steven Anderson and Ryan Griffin healthy. Uh, this is just an unexciting offense for real life and for fantasy. Yeah. That said, uh, after I expect them to get trounced by Oakland tonight, I do see a glimmer of hope in Houston's future. I, for whatever reason, my heart tells me that they're going to get it together and beat San Diego in heartbreaking San Diego fourth quarter meltdown fashion. No, give me San Diego. I think that after the bye, they're a little fresher, and, and hopefully they'll actually be able to close strong. We'll see. All right, next game up is going to be Jacksonville at Buffalo. Yeah, the Jags almost stole one in Detroit, but uh, let the Lions put it out of reach late in the fourth quarter. Blake Bortles, 200 yards, two interceptions, two touchdowns, a 14-point day, but Buffalo will be all over him. Um, This game featured Ivory in more of the role I was expecting, dominating the carries and running back work, 17 carries, 39 yards only, unfortunately, six catches for 75 yards to to Yeldon um, with uh, four catches or I'm sorry, six catches for 75 yards for Ivory. Uh, Yeldon had four carries for 16 yards with two catches for 16. Um, I don't love either of them this game versus Buffalo. Don't love Bortles. Don't love either of the running backs. Um, Very inefficient play from Bortles, allowing uh, three uh, three catches for uh, 18 yards and a touchdown for Allen Robinson. Four catches for 52 yards to Marquise Lee, who I think has supplanted uh, Allen Hearns here. I don't think Hearns is... Uh, on the ownable bubble anymore. I think Marquise Lee has, has firmly taken him as the wide receiver two in this offense. Yeah, the garbage time streak had to end sometime. Um, I certainly don't trust Blake Bortles this week at Buffalo. Their secondary has started to play up to their potential a bit. Uh, just a mid-end QB2 for me this week. Uh, and then similarly, Buffalo's run defense is also much better than Detroit's. Uh, but if TJ Yeldon does miss this game due to his ankle injury, then Chris Ivory would be at the very least a flex play this week simply due to volume of carries and catches. Um, I think that regardless of how bad this team is, he will manage to produce a decent fantasy line if he is quote-unquote the guy. And then Allen Robinson, just such inefficiency from Bortles, but still hanging around that low-end wide receiver 2, high-end wide receiver 3 range. Uh, just not expecting a whole lot this week. I don't, I don't know how you feel good starting anyone else on this team right now outside of, outside of Allen Robinson and uh, maybe Chris Ivory. Yeah. How do you, how do you rank Bortles, Simeon, and Brock Osweiler? Ooh, um, it's especially this week with, with Simeon playing Kansas City. I, I got to go with Bortles of the three. Oh, no, I mean, I mean career arcs. Oh, how- how good are they as quarterbacks? Uh, oh man, that that's tough. I I, I want to say that Blake Bortles can can still be good. Maybe <laughs> I I guess I, if I was gonna start an NFL franchise tomorrow, I I guess I would still want Bortles. Okay, okay. I don't think that's uh, that's saying that much about him. The other two are just really really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> So Buffalo lost Robert Woods as soon as they uh, as soon as they found him with an MCL sprain. He'll uh, likely be out this week and for more, though there are some words that he might be playing. Uh, I, I'm not expecting him to, though. Um, I'm not touching any of the other wide receiver options on this team. Uh, McCoy had thumb surgery today. He will probably play. Uh, shouldn't take him far from a running back one position in this matchup. It was um, typically you dislocate the 
the close to your hand part. This was like the tip of his thumb um, came came dislodged. Uh, needed to put it back into place and sort of tighten tighten up the screws. Not that he has screws in there. I guess that was that was a, a poor metaphor to choose. Uh, but he should be okay. That said, I do think Mike Gillisley should, needs to be owned for all the Sean McCoy owners. He does get the bulk of the work McCoy, with McCoy out, and he's fairly effective back there. So definitely have him on hand just in case McCoy is a late scratch. Yeah, um, Tyra Taylor, he should be a high-end QB2 still just due to his rushing floor, but certainly Robert Woods out lowers his ceiling a little bit. And I, I think with so much, so many injuries at receiver, I really think Buffalo is going to try and pound the ball as much as possible. Um, uh, to your point, uh, with this, with the thumb surgery, McCoy is expected to play and he'll be a solid RB one. If he does, um, you can't trust any of the wide receivers, Percy Harvin or Marquise Goodwin might get a long touchdown bomb here, but it's really a dice roll as to who it's going to be. I, I don't know that I can recommend either of them outside of a, you know, a tournament play in DFS. Um, the only pass catcher I'd, I'd maybe consider, um, as a tight end two with upside, uh, again, we're talking about these tight end twos with upside because you're basically hoping for a touchdown from from any of these guys. But for right now, it's Charles Clay. He's kind of that safety blanket that's emerged that is the only weapon that Tyrod Taylor really has left to go to. Um, he got seven targets last week, and he should see a decent volume of targets with Robert Woods out. Uh, and then finally, I like Buffalo a lot as a streaming defense. They're available in a lot of leagues. And with Jacksonville just falling apart right now and Buffalo's secondary starting to play a lot better, uh, I think they're worth a shot. They are definitely worth a shot. And with a good defense, typically comes a win, just as Buffalo will do versus Jacksonville this week. Uh, Make that times two from me. Times two. Cincinnati at Baltimore. Another AFC North showdown. Uh, Buffalo got to Dalton. Baltimore may have similar success, especially with AJ Green done for the season. You heard that right. Um, there was an increase in work for Boyd with AJ out. Six catches for 54 yards. LaFell four catches for 32 yards, but neither of them are very exciting for me. I do prefer Tyler Boyd, um, just as my own personal opinion there. Uh, Dallas has success on the ground, and while this team doesn't have the same talent, I'm expecting large workloads in the ground and sky for uh, for. Well, actually, no. Giovanni Bernard is also out on this team. Uh, late yesterday, there came news that he is done for the season with an ACL tear. So, so, uh, so Hill's work will be increasing. He is no longer a mid-range flex for me, but a mid-range running back too. Um, Eifert should have another solid tight end one week here for me. Yeah, uh, real quick note, I just feel bad for Bengals fans. Uh, this season is basically over now with no A.J. Green and no Gio Bernard. Um, and and Tier said, Jeremy Hill, uh, to your point, Jeremy Hill becomes a more secure running back in terms of his workload, but I really don't like him in fantasy this week. I, I think he's fool's gold. Um, Baltimore has one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL right now. And I actually think that Rex Burkhead is going to take a lot of passing down work. Uh, I don't know that Jeremy Hill is going to become more of a workhorse running back. I, I think that they're still going to want to split those snaps at the running back position. Um, Burkhead has been a dynamic guy in space, and that's why he plays a lot of special teams for the Bengals. Um, and honestly, he's a good comp to Deion Lewis. He's that kind of running back. I think in deeper PPR leagues, he's worth an ad. Could return flex-type production, maybe even a couple weeks here and there of that low-end running back, too, uh, if he gets that passing volume. Um, for me, uh, you know, 
I, I would upgrade Hill slightly, but I just really don't like him at all this week against Baltimore. Um, okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah, and, and just a quick update on that report on AJ Green. Uh, supposedly, the hamstring strain is not as severe as expected, uh, but he's still droppable unless you basically have a playoff berth locked up. It sounds like he's still expected out at, le- at least in that three to four week range period. And I just don't know how you can really trust him to come back healthy and play him in the championship game, um, you know, just coming off of injury. So. Uh, for me, he's droppable unless you really have a ton of wide receiver depth and can afford to hold on to him. Uh, and then in terms of who I would like, uh, it, it's tough for me. Uh, Brand LaFell is that veteran, but I think they're really going to want to see what Tyler Boyd's made of. Uh, you know, he hasn't gotten a ton of snaps to this point, and why not? This is basically a lost season for them, so I, I would prefer Boyd of the two, but they're both just wide receiver fours right now. Um, the only guy really not affected is Tyler Eifert. I, I think that this offense is going to struggle more in general, uh, but at the same time, he's going to get more volume as a result. So it's it's kind of a, a wash for me there. He's still a tight end one. And we are in agreement there. Uh, Baltimore really got away from the run versus Dallas's run defense. Uh, it did not pay off. Um, they they were have something have have something. Wow. Having some success, uh, eight carries for 42 yards with a touchdown for Terrence West, um, six carries for 40 yards with uh, with Dixon. I, I don't really know why they abandoned it. Their their passing was inefficient. Smith had a nice day, uh, Steve Smith Sr., eight catches for 99 yards and a touchdown. He's a wide receiver, too, for me this week. There was nobody else with real numbers of note on this team between the wide receivers and the tight ends, um, which is not really noteworthy, as I think that's been my report on Baltimore almost every week this year. Yeah, um, Joe Flacco, he's an all right streaming option, especially against the Cincinnati secondary. That, uh, it's been kind of a disaster. Uh, I, for the running backs, I still prefer Kenneth Dixon to Terrence West. I think that the snaps are going to continue to shift in favor of Dixon, despite West getting that touchdown. Um, and then for the wide receivers, I, I prefer Mike Wallace over Steve Smith this week, actually. Um, oh. I think that he's kind of... Uh, got that bigger playability. I don't know that they're going to need to dink and dunk as much against Cincinnati as they did with Dallas. Uh, and I think that Cincinnati is prone to giving up those big plays. Uh, he can get some big yards after the catch due to some poor tackling, and he's got that speed to just burn everybody. Uh, and then, of course, Dennis Pitta, he's kind of a non-factor at this point in Baltimore's offense. Uh, I don't know how you can play him at tight end. And then I like Baltimore a lot, too, as a streaming defense. They're unknown in a lot of leagues, and they get Cincinnati missing two of their best playmakers on offense, kind of just reeling from injuries right now. I I see a big Baltimore win here. Sure. Deja vu times, too. With a good... Uh, with a good streaming defense, often comes a, a solid victory, and here comes a victory for Baltimore over their AFC North rival, the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, um, next game we're going to talk about here is going to be San Francisco and Miami. Sure, Colin Kaepernick turned in a 20-point day versus uh, New England. Surprisingly effective um, because he had no turnovers. He That said, he did fumble the ball twice. He just didn't happen to turn it over. Um, none of their wide receivers or touchdowns had, or tight ends had any consistency or high enough volume for me to consider whatsoever. Um, Carlos Hyde is a running back too, but only because of his, uh, his breadth of his usage um, versus Miami. He had 19 carries for 86 yards, three catches for 24. So it's still a solid enough day. There's enough questions at running back that sometimes you just need to grab the guy that's getting the for sure work. 
Yeah, and, you know, I I mentioned last week on the podcast that Colin Kaepernick was a decent streaming option against New England. He certainly came through there. Um, And he's actually been averaging 19.6 points per game in his five starts this season. Really, he's been a QB1 in the games that he's played. And if you need a a quarterback help with, uh, you know, Andrew Luck with the concussion or Carson Palmer just doing terribly, I'd be adding Colin Kaepernick. Um, I'm actually going to try to add him uh, in one league where I have Matthew Stafford against Minnesota this week. I think he's really uh, almost bordering on that QB1 range. Um, For me, Miami isn't a bad matchup. I I agree that Carlos Hyde has decent low-end RB2 floor, uh, just given the volume of carries that he gets. Um, And then, you know, as you mentioned, it's hard to trust any of the receivers, but I do like Vance McDonald again this week. Um, he, he's got decent upside. He and Kaepernick have been consistently connecting the last few weeks. And even though Miami hasn't given, given up a ton of fantasy points to the tight end position, Miami really hasn't played many teams that utilize the tight end in the passing game. Um, but when they have, um, they've given up double digit points to, to those tight ends. So I, I like Vance McDonald again, as kind of that sleeper play. Hmm. Speaking of people that I don't trust. Jay Ajayi notched a fairly solid day versus a good enough run defense. 16 carries for 77 yards, three catches for seven. He should be a fine running back, too, versus San Francisco. Um, Devontae Parker is improving in numbers week to week, but I, I really want to see a little more success before I buy in. Um, Jarvis Landy, five catches on five targets for 28 yards. His value is dying rapidly. Um, unexciting players on an unexciting offense. Nothing to talk about at tight end. Yeah, I don't know if you can trust Ryan Tannehill, but he does have upside in this matchup at home against San Francisco. Um, And the same goes for Jay Ajayi. You know, they lost Laramie Tunsil to injury uh, last week. We'll see if he's able to play, but really this offensive line has been doing really well. Uh, San Francisco is saving up a ton on the ground, and I think that Jay Ajayi is actually a high-end RB2 for me this week. Um, if you trusted him, Jarvis Landry bailed you out with a touchdown last week uh, if you started him against the Rams, but... His targets have dipped considerably since Miami is focused more on the running game with Ajayi. Um, Landry's just a flex play right now. And then Los, you'll remember I was very high on Devontae Parker in the preseason, and this is why. He's got the talent to put up these kind of performances, um, but he's just been so inconsistent. I don't know if, if there's been an injury that we haven't really uh, heard about, but you know, Devontae Parker played really well against the Rams, enough to get him the, the Gillette close shave of the week, but uh, that certainly doesn't mean he's going to necessarily consistently produce on this Miami offense, but he is now, you know, a low end wide receiver three with upside. Um, he could be worth a shot rest of the season. If you lost AJ green, uh, if you recall, this is about the time last year when uh, Miami really kind of threw everything at the wall to see what sticks and, and Parker has that talent and has that ability. I'll, I'll take Miami here at home. Yeah, I, I don't know if Parker has has an injury, but he does have a significant ailment. It's uh, you've heard of tonsillitis, but he has Tannehillitis, unfortunately, and he's stuck for it, stuck with it for a vast portion of his career. Um, Miami is going to win this game at home, though. <laughs> is that a medical term, Tannehillitis? It, absolutely, it's the condition of having to to look Tan- Ryan Tannehill in the eye every day and every start of every play in practice. All right. Um, next game we're going to talk about here is Seattle at Tampa Bay. This team has got it together. Uh, Wilson's a quarterback one for me for here. I'm out. Even at a receiving touchdown on a nice gimmick play from Doug Baldwin, which is cute. Um, CJ Procise is out for at least the regular season. Rawls is the is the go to now. Um, I bet they'll be missing having Christian Michael on that team because 
Rawls is running back one if fully healthy. Now, based on his workload, it does look like he's fully healthy. But still, last week was his first game back. There they go. They lose his backup. They lose the third, uh, the the uh, the the running back three on the team. Uh, dings his own ankle in this team. So it's really just the, the Thomas Rawls show. Um, yet again, uh, Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham are both uh, one, number uh, number ones of their respective positions. They they are good to go. Yeah, we've seen this offense really come together now that the offensive line has started to gel a little bit and Russell Wilson being more healthy. Um, he's a top five quarterback right now. And with the precise injury fracturing his shoulder, uh, Thomas Rawls is a low end RB1. Um, they're going to sprinkle in some Alex Collins here and there, but I expect Rawls to basically be a workhorse on a suddenly potent offense. And he could be a league winner um, if he stays healthy. Doug Baldwin back to that high-end wide receiver two now with Wilson healthy. Maybe even wide receiver one upside this week against a pretty bad Tampa Bay secondary. Uh, and the same goes for Jimmy Graham. He's been a top five tight end, and he's continued to be. He's going to continue to be uh, the way that this offense is playing right now. Uh, there's really not a whole lot to be said for Seattle. They, they've become one of the NFC's top teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're going to roll into Tampa Bay and show them what's going on. Tampa Bay eked out the win versus Kansas City. They will not be lucky whatsoever like that here. They will pay for any mistakes made, and they will be made. Uh, this is not a good Jameis Winston week start. Uh, Mart uh, Doug Martin is a running back, too, for me, for pure usage standpoint, just like Carlos Hyde. 24 carries for 63 yards with three catches for 42 yards versus KC. Broke away for a nice one. Uh, he will be significantly limited by Seattle. Uh, Evans will also be keyed on, but will have so many targets, he's still a low-end wide receiver one. This game, six catches on 13 targets for 105 yards. Um, not, not a week to look to Humphreys, Brait, or Shorts for me here whatsoever. Yeah, certainly don't love Jameis Winston in this matchup, but um, interesting to note, though, that Earl Thomas and Deshaun Shedd both might be out for this game with hamstring injuries. Um, but at the same time, Seattle may also get back their best pass rusher with Michael Bennett in this game. Uh, mm -hmm. But just overall, don't love this matchup for him. Um, as you said, Martin should still be the workhorse. He'll have that volume. He's a solid RB2 play. And Mike Evans, uh, if Shed is out, we might see Richard Sherman shadow Mike Evans. Uh, we don't really see that all that often, but um, if their personnel issues do flare up, uh, we might see that. But I just don't know how you bench Evans, the way he's been playing, uh, the way he's been getting peppered with targets from Jameis Winston. I guess I downgrade him, but he's still a low-end wide receiver one. I don't know that you have better options. You're, you're playing him. If uh, you have a team that has three better wide receivers on it than, than Mike Evans, then you must be in a two-person league. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or you've made some fantastic trades, and, and you're going to win this season. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, you know, the one, the, one, the one thing I will say, though, is I don't hate Cameron Braid this week. I, I think those short crossing oh. routes are how you kind of get around Seattle's good pass defense. Uh, we've seen Zach Ertz and Martellus Bennett and, and even Levi and Toilolo kind of get lost in coverage over the middle um, for some decent weeks at tight end. I, I think that Brait's still in play for me as a high-end tight end, too, this week. Yeah, not me. Jameis just isn't good enough. Okay. I, I think, if anything, there's going to be kind of that catch-up or garbage time for uh, Tampa Bay this week. So, um, Fair enough. given that, uh, give me Seattle. The Seattle Seahawks for the win. New England at New York Jets in a in what should be a very exciting AFC East uh, showdown on Thanksgiving on, on well Thanksgiving weekend. Um, standout storylines here for me for New England was the arrival of Deion Lewis, five carries for 23 yards, three catches on five targets for 26 yards. 
while uh, James White still had six catches for 63 yards and a touchdown. There is not room on this team for all of them. Uh, White stays maybe numbered here. Uh, another storyline was surprisingly low usage for Martellus Bennett. One catch on two uh, t- two targets for 14 yards only. Um, another another rare rare sighting. Uh, Mitchell uh, Malcolm Mitchell four catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. A very strange day for the numbers on this offense. I'm still not changing my stance on this team whatsoever regarding Brady Gronk Bennett Blunt who had 124 yards on the ground and Julian Edelman who had eight catches on. Get the 17 targets, less than 50% uh, caught for 77 yards. And I believe his third touchdown of the season. Congratulations, sir. Keep keep on rolling. Yeah. Um, remember when the Patriots beat the Jets 40 to 13? Oh, yeah, I right. do. That, uh, that hasn't happened yet, but it's going to this week. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're starting Brady, of course. This is the first week where you can... Uh, really feel comfortable starting Deion Lewis, too, as a flex play. Uh, I think the Jets' run defense is much better than their secondary. I expect a lot of short and long passes, um, but this also means less LeGarrette Blunt. And then same uh, you know, with James White. Even though he got the touchdown last week, uh, he got just one more target than Deion Lewis. I think that Lewis is going to continue to garner those, you know, short passes over the middle and really rely on him to you know get those yards after the catch he he looks explosive and healthy now um i would actually prefer him of all three running backs in ppr uh julian edelman he was relied on heavily with gronk out but he's just a low end wide receiver too for me still um for me uh you know if gronk plays of course you're starting him uh, but even if he doesn't i'm going back to martellus bennett um, I, I think that that was just kind of a fluky game, and I, I expect him to still be very much involved in this game plan. And then in terms of Malcolm Mitchell, uh, he's still just a flex play for me with upside if Hogan is out again. I think that we could see another long touchdown against this Jets secondary. Um, and then same with Amendola. He's just a GPP play for me in DFS, but of course the upside is there in this offense. Um, I, I, I'm rolling out just about everybody, as you said. <laughs> Yeah, um, not not starting James White. Like you said, this team has no uh, no loyalty to recent numbers. Uh, they will put the best man out there. If you recall, Jonas Gray, I believe it was uh, three years ago, 290 yards, something like that, four touchdowns at running back, and then benched the next day. Yeah. Um, how about the uh, new New York Jets side? Yeah. How about them? Uh, the Bears of the East. Fitz is back in, which is better than Bryce Petty, I guess, for Brandon Marshall and Matt Forte. Uh, best case scenario, really. Uh, Brandon Marshall still a mid range, probably low end, but still a wide receiver, too, for me, for the sole reason that because when they're in the red zone, they do go to him. They haven't converted, but they're at least chucking the ball in his direction. And, you know, law of averages, he, he should come down with something this week. Um, and hopefully it's not a cold or something like that. Forte will still be Matt Forte, a higher-end running back, too. Powell is interesting, but his workload has been spotty. He's been very efficient with it, but it's been so spotty with his looks that I think defenses just haven't been looking at him. Um, Bill Belichick doesn't get fooled by that crap, Ola. Yeah, um, so reports are Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to start, uh, but I hope he's not starting for your fantasy team. Um, <laughs> could be a good game script here, but just, ugh, I, I don't know that you can trust him ever. Um, but the Patriots defense has actually played pretty poorly this season. Uh, they've been very reliant on their offense to win games. I think that Matt Forte is going to be an okay low-end running back two play here, but Bilal Powell is the more intriguing guy for me this week. He's got a lot of upside as a flex play in PPR. 
Um, I'm expecting the Jets to trail in this game, and he should see a ton of checkdown passes if they trail early. Brand Marshall could have a nice game uh, as well if the Jets start playing catch-up here, but I don't know how you can actually rely on starting him right now. He just has been so terrible as of late with Fitzpatrick. And, you know, Bill Belichick schemes to take out your best receiver, your best playmaker out of the game and force, you know, the team to, to really beat them with their other options. Uh, in this case, it's going to be Quincy Nunwa and Robbie Anderson. Um, I, I would actually consider starting a Nunwa in PPR over Marshall. Um, I, I don't know that I would do that, but I, I think there's a good chance that we see more catches out of a Nunwa than Marshall in this game. Uh, you know, New England has also had some trouble covering the slot. Um, they are better at covering outside. Uh, as you remember, that's really where Doug Baldwin did most of the damage uh, last week uh, before they played, uh, you know, when they were playing the Seahawks. So for me, uh, I, I, I disagree. I, I can't trust starting Marshall until he has a, at least a decent game with Fitzpatrick. Well, I certainly don't trust it, but I'm sure there's a lot of teams where you, your choice is either Brandon Marshall or, you know, Tyler Boyd off a waiver this week or something. And for me, it's still Brandon Marshall. Um, I guess anything's for, possible. I guess for me, well, it's Boyd. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. Well, anything's possible, but uh, it is not possible for the Jets to beat New England this week. Yeah. Give me, give me the Patriots. Um, let's move on here. Next game, Carolina at Oakland. Cam Cameron. Cam Cameron, uh, Cam Newton was uh, not, yeah, not, not the old Miami head coach was limited by a not great, but improving New Orleans defense. Uh, though, though he was at home, he should have been better. Um, he may not be much better here in Oakland for that very reason. Cam's a low end quarterback one right now. Uh, Jonathan Stewart, 18 carries for 31 yards. Only the day was saved by a touchdown. He didn't look good, but he's still getting the significant major work. Um, uh, Fozzie Whitaker, and Mike Tolbert are not dinging in his work. He's a running back too right now. Uh, the passing attack was completely disjointed here. Kelvin Benjamin, three catches, for 56 yards. He's a wide receiver too, maybe borderline wide receiver one versus Oakland. If Cam, Cameron can't if Newton can get his act back together. Olsen had a down day, four catches for 33 yards. He's a tight end one also versus Oakland. Um, Devin Funches had seven targets, but did absolutely nothing with them. Two catches for 32 yards. Uh, there's nothing to see here between Funches and Jen uh, again, even though it is the Oakland matchup. Yeah, I mean, the Carolina offense hasn't been playing great, but nor has the Oakland defense. Uh, I think that Cam's still a decent low end QB1 start. Uh, I expect a pretty high scoring game here. Um, Jonathan Stewart for me is just a flex play. Uh, you know, they're kind of giving Cam Newton that freedom to run again. Uh, that really limits his upside, especially near the goal line. And you're basically hoping for a score from Stewart here. Um, Kelvin Benjamin's the only wide receiver I trust, but I, I disagree that he's a high end wide receiver too. For me, he's a low end wide receiver twos kind of guy. Um, we've seen him struggle just, you know, and except for early on in the season, uh, since then he's really kind of dropped off in his production, even against this. Oakland Raiders defense I just don't see a huge ceiling um, and of course you're starting Greg Olson not a whole lot to say about him uh, how about the Oakland Raiders side here I, I think it's really time for me to admit I haven't come out and said it but I love this Raiders team and it, and it definitely helps that they may be moving to Las Vegas you know I'm good I had my time spent in Las Vegas living uh, myself um, Carr, Crabtree Cooper Murray I love them all I even like Clive Walford, who had a very nice grab. Uh, he could have stayed on his feet and run for another 30 yards in this game versus Houston, but he didn't. Uh, Latavius Murray's been getting enough of the work 
to maintain a running back two value despite a bunch of looks still going to Washington and Richard. He is still getting 50%. And, and you know, that, that's really the best we can hope for on a lot of teams um, going this season. Uh, that's That's really the story of the game versus Carolina. Yeah, and the Panthers have been getting killed by injuries on a defense that was already playing poorly. Uh, we're hoping for the best for Luke Keekley, but I, I just doubt he plays this week, even with that extra three days of rest. That looked like a scary concussion when he got carted off the field. Um, and then they're also missing uh, defensive tackle Mario Addison uh, and cornerback Leonard Johnson. Uh, neither practice today. If they're both out, this game could start to get out of hand for the Panthers. Um, Carr's a solid QB1 in this matchup. And I like Latavius Murray as well as a low-end RB2. Um, the other guys are, are really just desperation flex plays. You're hoping for a, a catch-and-run touchdown like the one Jalen Richard just got here, but um, you certainly can't rely on that. And, of course, you're starting Amari Cooper as a low-end wide receiver one. And then Michael Crabtree as a wide receiver two. Both have big upside in this game. Yes, sir. Uh, give me my adoptive team, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, give me the Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. All right, Sunday night football, Kansas City at Denver, a big AFC West showdown. Yeah, Kansas City lost their first home game in the last 11. How frustrating is Alex Smith? They should have scored in the fourth to go ahead, but he threw the interception in the in the end zone, 261 yards for a touchdown and a pick. Um, Ware had 17 carries for 69 yards. He was limited. Uh, much better than expected by Tampa Bay. He should have good success versus the defense, uh, the Denver defense, where they are weak at run defense. Um, he's a running back one for me this week. He'll get back on track, I believe. The pass catchers, though, all of them, every single one, just bench them. Don't even think about it. Yeah, I have no idea why Spencer Ware wasn't getting the ball in the red zone this past week against Tampa Bay. Uh, they had Travis Kelsey rush it one time in the end zone, and then they had Alex Smith throwing it, and... Why, when you are employing Spencer Ware as your running back? Uh, Andy Reid should look to correct this this week against Denver, though. Um, that is where you attack that Denver defense is the, is the running game. Spencer Ware is a high-end running back, too, bordering on RB1 territory. Um, and, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know how you trust any of the wide receivers. Uh, the only pass catcher I'd play is Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's been a solid top six, top seven tight end one. Um, and then Aqib Talib is expected back for Denver, so I'm fading even Tyree Kill as a flex play. I just don't expect him to break any big ones. Um, I really think it's Spencer Ware and Travis Kelsey, and that's about it. Yes, sir. That's uh, and and I I even have questions about Kelsey uh, on the Denver side of the football. This is a, a poor matchup for a, a very poor Denver offense. Casey can limit the running backs, where it's still looking like Devontae Booker is the main man back there. Uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are being hampered by by uh, Trevor Simeon, just like I've said before. Um, I I don't really don't really like them. I do like both defenses in this game. Uh, low scoring matchup should be coming. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is going to be kind of a low-scoring game. Uh, hopefully Kansas City is going to get D Ford back. Their, their best pass rusher uh, left the game against Tampa Bay with a hamstring injury, and Marcus Peters was out as well. So uh, if, if they get both of those guys back, uh, certainly would help the defense tremendously. Um, I think that Booker is just a flex play right now, even with the volume of carries, because Capri Bibbs has been eating into his passing game workload. Um, both Demarius and Sanders are still startable, but I think the ceilings are going to be low here. Uh, both of them are just going to be wide receiver twos or, or high end wide receivers three, excuse me, high end wide receiver threes in this matchup against Kansas City. 
Um, and then we don't talk about kickers too much, but Rand McManus got dropped in a lot of leagues this past week with Denver on bye. I, again, with the low-scoring game script, I can see a lot of field goals kicked by both him and Cairo Santos uh, as both of these defenses defend well in the red zone. Absolutely. Uh, I, my prediction for this game is that uh, Denver gets up early on a defensive touchdown, forcing Alex Smith in the past game to have to try and produce, which they will not be able to do. Uh, give Denver the win at home. Um, see, I disagree here. I, I think that Alex Smith is going to retreat in his, into his shell even more after losing the game on these interceptions this past week. He's going to be super safe with the ball. Um, and it's just going to lead to a defensive battle back and forth. And I think sooner, sooner or later, the, the first quarterback to make the, the mistake is going to be Trevor Simeon. So I'll actually take uh, the Chiefs on the road here. All right. Uh, we finally made it to Monday Night Football. What a, wow. Wait, we haven't had a week with, uh, with no buy teams at all in quite some time. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay will go into Philadelphia for your Monday Night Showdown. Uh, after getting spanked by the skins, look for Aaron Rodgers to come home. Uh, out of the gate as fast as they can to go up on Philadelphia should be a solid day for him. I'm thinking Philadelphia is no Josh Norman. So expect a definitely better day from Jordy Nelson, who still had 28 yards in the touchdown, which uh, preserved his production. Uh, they abandoned the run fairly quickly, but the lead man was James Starks, nine carries for 25 yards, five catches for 46 yards and a touchdown. Ty Montgomery still had four carries for 17 yards, three catches for 27. So he isn't a complete afterthought yet, but I, I can't really necessarily bank on starting him in this week. Uh, Cobb and Adams are both very low-end wide receiver twos, um, maybe maybe even wide, uh, wide receiver threes at this point. The, this offense just still looks disjointed, and um, they're, they're about equal for me right now. Yeah, Green Bay just looks bad. Excuse me, it just looks bad despite Aaron Rodgers carrying the offense to keep this game close. Um, the, the only good thing is the defense is so terrible that the Packers are going to need to throw. Um, so I think Hooray. that despite Philadelphia playing well on defense, Rodgers is still you know a mid-level QB1 for me this week. Uh, we, we saw that James Starks was more utilized in the running game and the passing game, and he's a decent flex play. Um, but one, I wouldn't expect another wide-open 30-yard touchdown grab down the sideline. Uh, and two, uh, Kristen Michaels expected to be active this coming week, so we'll see if he eats into that running back rotation even more, kind of negating all of their values. Um, and then Jordy Nelson didn't kill you if you started him, but you certainly wanted more, but he's still a wide receiver one due to his target share. Um, Philadelphia is certainly susceptible to those big plays. And then right now, Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb, both kind of flex plays. They've been afterthoughts uh, in the passing game. Because the surprise here was a healthy Jared Cook playing a prominent role in the offense. Um, yeah, he's always been super inconsistent, but he's always also had that physical talent. He made some nice catches, including a touchdown, uh, but he also dropped an easy pass and had a fumble. Uh, we'll see if that if his team-leading 11 targets are an outlier due to Jordy seeing a good amount of Josh Norman, or if Jared Cook keeps being a big part of this offense. I think that Green Bay needs someone to help stretch the field in the passing game, and Cook could be that guy. Um, he's he's a high upside tight end, too, and, and worth a stash if you need help at that position. All right. Uh, I think we we all know my feelings on, uh, on the man named Jared Cook. Uh, on the Philadelphia side of the football, Philly just could not get the job done versus Seattle, uh, which was expected. Two interceptions for Carson Wentz uh, and injuries, too. 
Uh, Ryan Matthews, his MCL. Darren Sproles, his rib. Um, got to monitor their their uh, return this week. May happen, may not. They do get the extra day, of course, going into Monday night. Uh, Wendell Small would, will likely be the starter. Uh, pending the, re- the recovery of the other guys, but he did dominate carries after their issues. Um, Ertz paid off this week. He did not hurt you. Six catches for 35 yards and a touchdown. I do like him this game as well. Um, Jordan Matthews, five catches on 10 for 59 yards. DGB, five catches on eight for 54 yards and a touchdown. I don't love him, uh, and I'm certainly not trying to start him. Maybe a Jordan Matthews is a wide receiver three. Um, I don't know. I, they they will have to score a lot versus Green Bay, but but past that, I, I don't like any of the potential there. Yeah, I don't know that you can trust Carson Wentz, but he certainly has upside against this Packers defense that can't seem to stop anyone. Uh, he's a low-end QB2 with a lot of upside this week. And then Darren Sproles, day-to-day with that fractured rib, he is expected to play, but there are no guarantees that he's not going to aggravate that, even if he does suit up. And of course, Ryan Matthews with that MCL sprain, uh, again, he could be out multiple weeks depending on the severity of this injury. Wendell Smallwood is a big waiver wire ad this week, should play the majority of snaps if one or both are out for this week or longer. He's got that RB2 upside if either of these guys miss time. Um, And then Zach Ertz and Jordan Matthews are really the only reliable pass catchers here. Ertz is a low-end tight end one. His volume is starting to pick back up. And then Jordan Matthews is a high-end wide receiver through or flex play. We saw that Philadelphia also promoted Paul Turner. Um, he's, he's a speedster, so we'll see if he plays a few snaps this week, uh, but certainly not worth picking up just yet. Um, but yeah, I think that they are going to find uh, offensive success against this Green Bay defense that's just been devastated by injuries. Although it may be offensive to watch. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, yeah, give me the Eagles at home. Uh, yeah, I don't see a way. Green Bay's going to win this game. Well, I hope not. I hope not. Well, I actually, I sort of do because uh, I really don't want Rodgers to fall into a good draft pick. Oh, that's fair. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that the Eagles are going to get this done on, on Monday Night Football at home. Yep. All right. Let me go ahead and cover all the bye teams for us. All right. That concludes the bye teams <laughs> for week 12. All right. Uh, let's move on to injuries then. Sure. Um, Quarterback injury, as we said, uh, Andrew Luck is in concussion protocol. He is questionable. Um, I imagine it's a long shot for him to play this Thursday. Uh, CJ Procise, after looking quite good, um, and hey, I'm going to hear the jokes coming. Don't go, don't go out there calling him CJ Pro Sissy or anything like that. This is a serious injury. Fractured scapula is an extremely difficult bone to break. He was walloped for something like that to happen. Um, He's droppable in leagues right now. He's going to be out at least six weeks. Very, very large bone, very strong bone. Breaking it is a very big deal. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is out for the season with an ACL. Uh, Mark Ingram's in the concussion protocol, monitor his status during the week. The extra three days does help, of course, but, you know, have have Hightower on hand if he is uh, available in free agency. Well, Sean McCoy had surgery on his dislocated thumb. We're expecting him to play, but do take a look at Mike Gillisley as well. Ryan Matthews sprained the MCL, as we said. Uh, I think he has a better chance to play than Darren Sproles, who fractured a rib. They are both listed as day-to-day. TJ Yeldon sprained his ankle. I expect him to play. Uh, not that you're excited about him anyways. As far as the wide receivers go, AJ Green strained the hamstring, small tear, likely out four to six weeks. Um, as we said, you're not excited about starting him in your fantasy playoffs. If he does come back for one game, especially 
since I don't think Cincinnati's going to have anything to play for at that point. Why why roll them out there and, and risk one of your franchise players? Robert Wood sprained an MCL. Will likely be out for a few weeks. Uh, as far as the tight ends go, Zach Miller and Jacob Tammy are both done for the season. Hopefully, we're not relying heavily on either of them. But Zach Miller is a much bigger loss for teams probably than Jacob Tammy. Yeah, so um, a few waiver wire ads to consider here. Uh, we've got Colin Kaepernick at Miami this week. He's been playing very well. Uh, he, again, uh, a high floor to that rushing upside, and he's averaged almost 20 points per game this season. Um, he's worth an ad if you've got a Matt Stafford against Minnesota or Andrew Luck with the concussion, or, uh, or if you're a frustrated Carson Palmer owner right now. Um, another guy to consider to stream this week is, is Sam Bradford at Detroit. Um, again, he's not been fantastic with that offensive line, um, but Detroit's secondary can certainly be beat, and he scored well in the first matchup here. Um, some running backs, Rob Kelly, he's owned in most leagues at this point, uh, but he's the top guy to add this week if he's not somehow. Um, he's clearly taken over that role for Matt Jones. Um, Deion Lewis, still available in a lot of leagues. It's only a matter of time before he assumes a bigger role in the New England offense, and this is an offense that you want a piece of. Wendell Smallwood, um, he's a guy that could have RB2 relevance if Sproles and or Matthews are out. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, he's healthy now. Uh, and Ronnie Hillman got waived. They get Detroit this week, then Jacksonville and Indy in weeks 14 and 15. Uh, he could be a flex play down the stretch for you. Rex Burkhead, um, he's a deeper league ad, but we're expecting him to take on the Gio Bernard pass-catching role. Uh, but the Cincinnati offense will struggle without A.J. Green, so just a flex play at best. Derrick Henry, uh, Tennessee trailed all game, so he didn't get any touches, but he's still a priority handcuff to DeMarco Murray. Mike Gillisley, LaShawn McCoy should return this week and be fine, but that injury scare is a reminder of his handcuff value as well. And then finally, Alex Collins, mostly, excuse me, mostly a Thomas Rawls handcuff and just a situational committee guy. But he could pay off as well if anything happens to Thomas Rawls. He certainly had his share of injuries. For the wide receivers, we got Malcolm Mitchell. He's going to be inconsistent week to week with so many options for Brady to target. But we've seen the upside now. He's got a high ceiling here. Uh, and then Tyler Boyd and Brandon LaFell, both just flex plays, but somebody's got to catch passes from Andy Dalton. <laughs> Devontae Parker, uh, he's got an inconsistent role in a struggling offense, but he's got that playmaking ability if Miami can keep it together. And then Percy Harvin, just a deeper league ad, but he's the most talented wide receiver left healthy for Buffalo at this point. Quick note, uh, Jamison Crowder, he's been getting inconsistent targets, but converting them for big plays. Again, we mentioned he's the wide receiver 19 right now on the season in PPR leagues. Should be owned in 100% of leagues. Owned in most, but not 100% yet. Eric Ebron for tight ends, still seeing him available in a good amount of leagues. Uh, he's a low-end tight end one with a high target share in that Detroit offense. And then Jared Cook, uh, he's been so inconsistent. I understand if you've been burned by him in the past, but he did lead the team in targets, and if this keeps up, he's got that top five tight end upside. I know it's Jared Cook, but if you have the roster room, the upside potential is there. Um, and then real quick on defenses and kickers. Again, I like Baltimore at home against a reeling Cincinnati offense and Buffalo at home against Jacksonville. And then again, we don't talk that much about kickers, but Brand McManus at home against Kansas City should be a defensive game with both teams uh, kicking a lot of field goals. 
And then Matt Bryant uh, for Atlanta. He's been dropped in a lot of leagues uh, due to the bye week this past week. Uh, again, we don't talk kickers, but we're at that point in the season where any advantage is going to help you in the fantasy playoffs. And Matt Bryant has scored nine points or more in every single game this season except for one. Could be huge for you down the stretch in the playoffs. Huge. All right, that's going to wrap up our show for this week. Um, it is Thanksgiving on Thursday, so we wish you and your family the best. And as always, we are thankful for you, our listeners. Uh, if you have any questions, we are certainly happy to answer them for you on Twitter. You can reach me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. Yeah, thanks thanks very much for the support and everything and the, and the listenership. Um, we know there's a lot of things that you can listen to. There's a lot of uh, opportunities available to you, especially it's 2016. Um, so, so thank you for giving us your time. Um, don't forget to like us on Facebook, of course. Uh, follow us on Twitter, as, as aforementioned, and subscribe to us in the iTunes store and that iPod, uh, that podcasting app, the purple and white app in your uh, iTunes store. I think we're on Google or something, aren't we, Mung? Yeah, you can also find us in the Google Play Store on, on Android. And, uh, you know, just uh, one quick note of encouragement. Even if your team's five and six right now uh, struggling, um, you got to look at the teams ahead of you. Uh, I'm in a couple leagues where my team is just about 500, uh, but really that's where every team is. And these last couple weeks are what's going to matter. And once you're in the playoffs, uh, there's always that chance. Uh, crazy things happen in the playoffs, so... Do anything you can to win these last couple of matchups if you need to, to squeak in. Um, this is the time when you spend all the rest of your fab budget to pick up those guys that might help you. Um, there's really no point in letting that money go to waste. Uh, use those waiver priorities. Uh, if you have the number one waiver and you need somebody, now is the time. So hopefully, uh, again, best of luck to all of you in your leagues and a happy Thanksgiving. And we'll be back next week. As always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Of course. Another major note, another major note. Uh, for, for many leagues, most leagues, this is the final week to make trades. So if you were looking, if you're waiting to, uh, to snipe uh, the guy that isn't paying attention, doesn't know much about football, doesn't know what he has on his own team, um, you, you've only got two more days to do it. Um, happy Thanksgiving, addicts. Thanks, addicts. Hey, Mike, what are you doing way up on that ladder? You're going to hurt yourself. Oh, I'm trying to unclog these gutters. That's smart. I had water damage from my gutters last year. It cost me ten grand. Yeah, wait, $10,000? Yeah, and from over here, it looks like water's been pouring over your clogged gutters, and it's probably doing real damage to your foundation. You need to do what I did. Get off the ladder and call Leaf Filter. Yeah, but I need to get these gutters flowing now. That's why you need to call Leaf Filter. They'll clean and realign your gutters and install their exclusive micro-mesh screen system so nothing gets in your gutters except water. So Leaf Filter protects my house from damage and means no more gutter cleaning for me? Bingo! Plus, Leaf Filter has an industry-leading lifetime warranty, so your gutters are covered for life. Thanks, Frank. I'm calling Leaf Filter today. Don't go another day with your home unprotected. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com for your free gutter inspection. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com right now for an extra 15% savings. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com. That's one 844 300 300 leaf.